You're listening to The Passion Design Project. On this podcast, you'll hear interviews with people who are impacting the world in big and small ways with a focus on nutrition and fitness, unique business strategies, and global outreach. The guests on this podcast will provide you with creative ideas on how to feel your best, utilize your gifts and talents, and ultimately live the life you're meant to live to create a lasting impact on the world. Now let's get started on creating a life you're passionate about. Hi, and welcome to the Passion Design Project. I'm your host, Haley Badenhop, and today I have on such an awesome guest. She is the author of the book, Art, Money, Success, Finally Make a Living Doing What You Love. And the book is a complete and easy-to-follow system for the artist who wasn't born with the business mind. And it shows how to find buyers, how to get paid fairly, how to negotiate nicely, deal with copycats, and just plain sell your art. Her name is Maria Brophy, and her husband is the artist, and so she is actually the marketer for him and does all the the behind-the-scenes work to get his art sold. Don't we all wish we had somebody like that? Well, you can because Maria's on today. She's telling us so many tips and tricks and secrets that she's learned through the years to figure out just how to sell art. And as the world evolves and changes and things go online, things change. And so she just has so many ideas, so many fresh ideas that aren't just living in the past of trying to create sell art, but giving us new ideas of how we can go about selling our art today. And it's super fun to talk to Maria. She is just a person that loves to share all of her knowledge. And so nothing is held back. We could have went on and on and on in this episode, but it's long enough already. So I hope if you are any type of creative, you listen in because you will get so much out of this and then go find her book if you're ready to hear more. Hi, Maria. Thank you so much for being here with me on the Passion Design Project. I'm so excited to learn more about this whole art art world with you today. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here. I appreciate it. Awesome. Okay, so my first question, I just want to jump right off the bat. You talk all about um, the business aspects behind art, being an artist. So does every artist have to also be a business person? They do if they want to make a living with their art working for themselves. Yes. Okay. So I've struggled with this and I'm sure many people who are creatives have struggled with this as well. Because if you're a creative, you usually want to spend all of your time designing or making art. And then you come to this point where you're like, wait, I'm doing this for basically nothing, but this is really what I want to do. So what do you think are the top business skills that you should start with when you're, when you're starting out where you, you want to start making money? I think that the first thing that you need to do is get crystal clear on what you want and why you want it. That sounds simple, but a lot of people will take more time planning a weekend vacation than they will planning their career. Really, you know, That's if, so if you true. think about <laughs> okay, so you think about let's say you're going to have a weekend away with your girlfriends. Usually you put in some good time brainstorming. Well, what do we want to do? What do we want to see? What do we want to get out of this weekend? How much do we want to spend? Right. Mm -hmm. And then you'll take the time making it happen. Well, your art career is just like that. (laughs) (laughs) But people don't take the time to think about it. So when you think about what do you want and not Everybody wants the same thing. You you might say, well, doesn't everybody just want to make money with their art? Well, yes, but it's more than that. Um, Some people want 
to create a lifestyle with their art because they have a really important message that they're passionate about. Like they want to save the whales or they want to um, help disenfranchised women in other countries. And then, you know, and then some people say, well, I want to make a living with my art because I want to be able to support my family with it while I'm doing what I really, really love. And then other people might be motivated by the ability to have the freedom to travel Mm-hmm. Um, which is really why I'm in this business because I live for travel. It's my priority in life and always has been. And having a real job put put a damper on that. Mm-hmm. So I so I had to um, you know go into more of a creative business to be able to live this lifestyle where I can travel for months at a time if I want to. Um, so anyway, there's you know there's all these different reasons and um, it doesn't have to be noble or earth shattering or life saving or anything like that. It's just you need to understand what it is you want to do and why you want to do it. You don't have to know how because you'll figure it out. but but you do have to know what you want. Right. And that is why I go into that in the first chapter of my book, because I don't want to go into all the nitty gritty of business without you first knowing what it is that you want out of your life, your business, your art, your legacy, if you want to leave a legacy. And you don't have to, by the way, because, you know, art doesn't always have to be serious. It can be fun. It can be simple. It can be commercial. It can be fine. It doesn't matter. You know, right. I think that's that's so good because I think a lot of us see art as one straight path and you have to follow that path to be successful. But you show so well that there's so many alternate methods to go about being a successful artist. And the whole thing is that's true is you want to make money, say, to pay bills. But what happens when you pay those bills? Are you completely fulfilled? Probably not, because there's a lot more. So it's so smart to explore that first. Yeah. And. You know, there's a lot of different ways to make money as an artist, like you just said. And one is, you know, you could get a job, right, Mm -hmm. as an artist. There are jobs for artists out there. Um, You can work at a design firm. You can work at an advertising agency. You can get a job teaching art. Everybody says they're not the entrepreneur type, but you can learn how to be. But if you're not willing or interested in learning how to be an entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. you can always go get a job. But I really believe that if you're an artist, regardless of your willingness to be an entrepreneur or or work for someone else, uh, regardless of what works for you, if you choose to, if you decide that you are going to make a living creating art, and you make that your focus, you absolutely can make that happen. I think that's one of the hardest parts is the self-belief that you can actually do it. I I met an artist once, um, actually interviewed him years ago, back when uh, I went through a brief period where I used to interview people, and I don't really do that anymore because I wasn't that good at it. (laughs) But um, but there's an artist uh, named Michael Puchek. He had this phrase that I loved. He said... I decided at a young age that I was going to live by the brush. Mm. And and he explained that he didn't care what he had to do. He just made sure that everything he did for money involved art. 
And he didn't care if it was painting signs or, you know, uh, <laughs> painting Trader Joe's windows. Like, it didn't mm-hmm. matter. He was going to live by the brush. And I'll tell you, today, this guy's very successful. He has created a, a great following and fan base, and he has made a great living with his art. Um, but that was his attitude when he was young, live by the brush. And I always think about that. Mm-hmm. It's it's probably such a good focus, too, because it's so easy to get our focus off on something else or get scared that this isn't working. So jump to somewhere else. But he had that one brush focus. And that's so important. Yeah. So you talk about how I, I feel like a lot of the times in your newsletters, you talk about setting these monthly goals. Um, could you yeah. touch on that a little bit to kind of stay focused? Sure. I started about six months ago, I started sending out a monthly reminder a couple days before the first of each month to set your goals for the month of the next month. Um, And at first, when I first started sending those emails, I said, set your three top goals. But I stopped doing three and started doing one because I realized that people can't focus on more than one thing at a time. And that one month is a great period of time to get something started and finished. And it can be either something creative, um, say, let's say you want to do a series of um, paintings. You may not finish them in a month, but you can sure get a lot done in a month. Mm -hmm. You can get them started and get it figured out in a month. Um, Or let's say it's a business thing. Like I know many artists that want to set up an email newsletter, but the technical stuff bothers them. And so they haven't even started it. Well, that would be a great monthly goal. So when you set a goal for the month and you make that your focus and you write it down on a piece of paper and tape it to your wall, which is what I do. Mm -hmm. um, Every time you find yourself getting distracted, like trying to do too many things, you look at that one goal and you say, oh yeah, that's my focus. I'm going to focus on that and get that done and everything else can happen afterwards. Right. That's so smart. What's your monthly goal this month? This month, my, <laughs> well, this month I am leaving um, town. We're driving across countries. So my goal mm. this month is to have a great time with my family. And then when we get to the East Coast, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, we are actually putting on a uh, museum exhibit my husband drew is being honored with a very large retrospective of 30 years of his career at the at the beach art museum and so my goal is to enjoy this month of doing something we've been dreaming of for 15 years and we've been dreaming of this for 15 years yeah so that's my goal that's and amazing. <laughs> and there's a heck of a lot of work involved when you have a museum exhibit. I'm going to write about that one of these days. <laughs> <laughs> it's a phenomenal amount of work. Like we haven't been able to, the entire month of May, we haven't even been able to take on pain projects because every there's so much to do to prepare for the museum exhibit. I bet. How many pieces are in it? Almost a hundred. We started out wow. saying seventy, but it actually grew. It actually <sighs> kept growing. It's like a monster that just keeps growing. 
And it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal because we've gathered art pieces and original paintings that sold over 20 years ago that people are loaning, like people who have bought his art over the years, they're loaning their paintings for this exhibit. Wow. And that was a big part of the work was just tracking down those people. Yeah, I can imagine. And and so I write about this in my book um, about how important it is to keep a list of all the people who buy art from you. Mm-hmm. And this is why. I have a spreadsheet going back to 1998 of people who have bought Drew's art. There's And uh, boy, did that come in handy when we needed to gather all these pieces for the ex- museum exhibit. Right, yeah. Because sometimes you just sell something and you don't even, you're like, oh, it's it's over and done. But that's, that's a good yeah. habit to develop. Y- yes. <laughs> So what's it like working with your husband? I really like working with him. We we like each other. Yeah, um, that's good. <laughs> we do. I mean, we really, we, uh, in a couple of weeks is our 18-year wedding anniversary. Oh, congrats. And we've worked together that long. Uh, I started working with him part-time before we even got married. Okay. And uh, then I... A few years after we got married, I left my corporate job. Actually, I think it was two years after we got married. I left my corporate corporate job to work with him full time. And I like working with him because everything we do, all the effort we put into what we do directly benefits not just us, but when we're gone, our children. Mm-hmm. Our children are going to get, they're going to own all the copyrights to his art. Everything we're building Instead of giving it to a company, they were giving it to our family. Mm. And that feels good. Yeah, for sure. That's so great. I mean, every day you're working for your family, which is such an awesome feeling. Yeah, it is. And I love the freedom of just being able to take off. So totally. like we're, we have this museum exhibit in Myrtle Beach, and I guess a normal person would fly get on an airplane and fly. And we said, no, we're going to pack up our van and we're just going to drive across country 3,200 miles each way. And, um, but, but along the way, we're going to do all kinds of fun stuff. Like we're going to stop at the ancient ruins at Chaco Canyon in New Mexico. And we're going to go to the great dunes national park in Mm. Colorado. And we're going to stop in Sedona, Arizona. I mean, we're, you know, we make it, it's not just a boring road trip. It's, it's going to no be way. fun. Too. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Actually, before I moved to Jackson, I was a road trip guide and I would guide people from LA to New York and stop at all those hot spots in between. And really, the, yeah, the funniest thing is that everywhere I went, it was like international tourists. It wasn't Americans really enjoying what they have here. And I think you know everyone what? should do that. Oh, that's so funny you say that. You know, Drew says that all the time. We do these road trips. This will be our seventh drive across country. Wow. In the last 12 years. We've done it. This will be number seven. And we always take back roads Mm. in the middle of nowhere. We try to stay off the main highway. So we take the longer routes. And he always says, look, you know, All the people, these national parks, they're not even speaking English. Like, where are the Americans? How come Americans aren't going here? Mm -hmm. I know. 
It's crazy. I, so I'm glad you guys are doing that because, yeah, you can show how great it is to everybody else that follows you guys. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it inspires his art, too. Like all these right. nature trips, we get out, we go deep into nature, and that inspires the art. And not only that, but it resets your brain because when you are making a living as an artist, let's face it, you work your butt off. Mm-hmm. It's, it's hard work. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It is hard work. You don't do it because it's easy. You do it because you love it. Um, but you do have to take a break from the treadmill. You have to get off of it and you have to you have to make time to enjoy life away from work because when you do, for one thing, it's just healthy. But the other thing is when you do go back to the studio and back to running your art biz, you have a fresh outlook and perspective and you're like raring and ready to go again. All right. So do you separate your trips? Is it like work hard, um, travel, come back, work hard again? Or do you incorporate working with your travel? We do both. We do both. So like last year, I took two really big trips that didn't involve work at all. I went to Spain and did a two-week backpacking trip and then a week in the city. Um, And that was not work at all. And then Drew and I went to Egypt for three weeks. And so we didn't do any work there. Uh. (laughs) Um, But but this trip that we're doing here in a couple of weeks, it's half and half. We are going to do a lot of work with the museum. We're painting a mural while we're in Myrtle Beach. And we're going to be leading tours. And uh, there's probably going to be other things that pop up. We have a couple business meetings planned but on the way there, we're going to take a good six days to do fun stuff at national parks on the drive. And then on the way back, mm. we'll do fun stuff. Totally. I feel like I'm the type of person that also works for freedom. And I think it's kind of lending more that way towards a lot of people who recognize that now you don't have to sit in a cubicle all day and do work and you can have this freedom. So it's always a challenge, though, to see like how people actually work that out and where it's not just like all travel or all work. So yeah, that's great. You get a little bit of both. Well, and, and if you're, if somebody listening thinks, gosh, how do they do that? And I hear this from people a lot. You guys must be rich. You can go on all these trips. (laughs) Well, I mean, we do have year, like last year we had a really good year and that's why we were able to go to Egypt. Uh, but there have been many years where it was pretty skinny for us financially. And we live in one of the most expensive places you can possibly live in a beach town in Southern California because the waves are good here. So, (laughs) um, so there are times where they have been times where we were like, Oh gosh, you know, how are we going to survive the next few months? Um, so it's up and down a lot, but, but I will say this, we've never let lack of funds stop us from traveling when the economy crashed in 2008 and it really hit us not right away. It didn't hit us until really a year or two later. We had to turn to camping a lot because the money was tight and we couldn't afford 
to do much else. Mm -hmm. So we said, we're not going to stop traveling. We're just going to travel a different way, a really cheap way. And the other thing is we figured out how to make money while we were traveling. So one year we decided we wanted to go to Australia and we're like, okay, we want to go to Australia. That's actually an expensive trip, airfare. And when you get there, Australia is not cheap. It's right. actually kind of expensive. Yeah. Hotels, food is expensive, just eating at restaurants, um, even a sandwich. So um, so anyway, we said, well, we want to go to Australia. Let's figure out how we can get paid to be there. And mm-hmm. so this is a message I really want people to get is when you say, I want to go to Australia and I want somebody else to pay for me to go. But gee, I have no idea how to do that. I've never done that before. And that sounds crazy. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, just first setting that intention makes it happen. Okay. Um, So for us, we said, well, Drew paints surfboards. There's a lot of surfboard makers in Australia. Why don't we just start calling surfboard shops? And actually, I wasn't calling them. I was emailing them because it was long distance. And and so I just went online and I looked up all these surfboard shops all up and down the coast of Australia, the east coast of Australia. And I sent emails with an introduction to Drew and photos of some of the stuff he did and said, hey, we'd like to line up maybe a few days where he could paint surfboards and hit this, you know, and uh, that would help fund our trip. And darned if I didn't have a number of people calling back and say, we'd love to have him. So Mm. we went and, and we spent a month there. And another amazing thing happened. Once we were there, all of a sudden people started giving us free places to stay. (laughs) And so like, this one surfboard company, we, we were renting a hotel in Byron Bay mm-hmm. and Mad Dog Surf Shop. There were guys there and I, I can't remember their names right now, but um, but they were awesome. And they said, look, we've got a house, a house in, you know, walking distance to the beach. If you if you stick around for another week, <clears throat> we'll give you you can stay there for free. <laughs> So it was me and Drew and our son, Dylan, who was like four at the time. Okay. And we go to this house and it's like this giant house (laughs) with like five bedrooms. And the three of us slept in one bedroom. We were like, we didn't want to dirt. We didn't want to get the whole house dirty. So we just lived in these little tiny, this little tiny room trying to be polite. But we, you know, so stuff like that happened the whole time. But the point of the story is that if you want to do something, you can figure out how to do it. You just have to get creative. Mm-hmm. Um, I know an artist who I don't know him personally, but I've read about him. And I'm sorry, I can't remember his name right now. Um, but I read about this artist who paints murals. And he did the same thing. He wanted to go to Australia. He's American. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and he did the same thing with murals. He went to Australia and he didn't have anything lined up before he got there. Once he got there, he just started, he would go to cities and walk the streets and look for walls that he thought would benefit from his murals. And then he would go into the, the, the business owner and give him a flyer and say, look, this is what I can do. Can you hire me? Oh, wow. And he literally traveled around doing that. 
Oh my, that's amazing. Yeah. I love that. I know. I think it's always like a little bit easier than we think if you actually have those <clears throat> intentions set and know what you're going, know what you're, what you're wanting to do and make it happen. It usually isn't as far off as you think it is. It's not really. You yeah. just have to not be afraid to come up with ideas. So that, you know, I can't paint worth a darn. <laughs> But my, my art, I mean, I actually, I'm not, I, I can pull it off a little bit, but it's not my, my talent. My talent is my art is coming up with ideas and going, but what if we did this? What if we did that? What if, what if we got this company to give us money for this or that? And I'm not afraid to ask people, well, I am a little afraid to ask them for money, but I don't let my fears stop me. I ask them for money anyway. Um, I've had Posca paint pen company pay mm. for surf trips for Drew in the past. Like, um, you know, Drew, like one year Drew was going to surf big waves in Puerto Escondido, Mexico. And he said, you know, I'd like to do like some kind of painting thing with kids. And I said, let me see if Posca will help pay for it. And sure enough, they did. They paid for, they basically paid for his trip there and he spent two days painting with kids. Mm -hmm. Um, and then he spent the rest of the week surfing big waves. I love that. And that's, that's like so important to even think about it that way. Like you can do what you want, but you can also input like painting with kids. Like it doesn't have to be just one or the other. I want to go on this surf trip, like just think a little bit outside of the box and include some like art things on the side or something like that. And it opens up so many more possibilities. Yeah. And I mean, all you have to do is, is brainstorm a little bit. Um, and, and then I want to give one more example a, a really good friend of mine, this guy named Matt Schwartz. He's a photographer out of New York. Last year he decided he wanted to go to Japan and he wanted to do a whole photo shoot, three, I think it was three weeks in Japan. But he wanted somebody else to pay for it. So he came up with this brilliant idea to do a Kickstarter campaign. Mm -hmm. And honestly, when he told me about it, I remember thinking, gee, I don't know how you're going to pull this off. Because I've never used Kickstarter personally. Mm -hmm. um, and I just didn't know the power of it if you do it right. Well, he raised nearly $25,000, and you can look up wow. his campaign. It's still up there. Um, the campaign, it, it's under, if you go to Kickstarter, you can search She Hit Pause, P-A-U-S-E, like the pause button, She mm -hmm. Hit Pause, and you'll see his Kickstarter campaign, and I recommend just checking it out. You come up with these ideas, and you can make them happen. Wow. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. That's incredible. Yeah, you just these and that's what I like so much about your book, which we haven't even hardly touched on it yet. Um, called Art Money Success. I'm like obsessed with your book. I think it's the greatest thing. <laughs> and Thank you. um but I love what I love so much about it is I feel like as an artist and just like going through my life, I've always looked for alternate methods of getting to places that I want to be. And I feel like you have a lot of that same mindset where you're you have all of these ideas that people haven't even touched on in the art world. And, you know, I, I have a fashion design degree and haven't heard almost all of this stuff like ever. And it's just crazy to me that people get these degrees and, you know, haven't heard uh, anything that's in this book 
almost because it's all so important. Thank you. I, I, I'm. Thanks for that feedback. I really appreciate it. It all, all along, I was saying it took me three years to write this book, but then one day I'd stumbled upon a manuscript I did ten years ago. So I, so I actually started it 10 years ago, um, but finally came out with it last year. And um, it's just everything, not everything. Actually, the, the book originally was twice the size it is, and I just had to oh uh, make it readable. But I'm coming out with more books, and um, th- there are things in my book that if you apply it, you will get insane results fast. Mm-hmm. I believe that's it. all I got. All I got to say is, um, and I get emails from artists almost every day. Oh, and it's so great. I just got an email from an artist the other day and she said, Maria, I just got to tell you, I read this one thing in your book and oh my gosh, it worked. She said in your book, you tell people not to put their own financial limitations on their buyers. Mm. And this is true. I go deep into that, how we think our buyers can only afford what we can afford. And we're often wrong. She said, so I took your advice in your book. I had somebody email me about a portrait and they were trying to decide between a head, uh, a headshot portrait or a full body portrait because they had two different things they wanted to use each one for. And taking your advice, I, I said, well, why don't you just ha- commission me to do both? And that way you can get all your needs met. And the co- client came back and said, that's a great idea. Okay. <laughs> so funny. It's so much easier than we think. We put all of these limitations. And it's so funny you bring that up because that's the one page I had rabbit-eared that I wanted to make sure I brought up was um, – not putting limitations on your buyer. So that was great. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. So I mean, and, and I still find myself doing that. I have to take my own advice. Mm. I have to remember, you know, and, and I'll, I'll explain that just briefly. If you were not raised in a wealthy household, and most of us were not, then you do have money limitations. So it's hard for us. Um, I grew up in a poor household and we didn't buy art. Oh my gosh. We only bought the bare necessities because that's all we could afford. So when I'm selling art, I have to be careful not to put that subconscious history of mine onto my client. So if somebody shows interest in one painting and I happen to know that these two other paintings really need to go with that one painting and it will complete a room. I need to suggest that. Hey, if you're going to buy this one, I really feel strongly that these other two pieces should go home with it. You really need to buy all three. And here's why. They go together because blah, blah, blah. And the worst that can happen is they can say no. But the best that can happen is they can say, you know what? You're right. I'm going to buy all three of them. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of times you wouldn't even think to do that. You'd be like, no, 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 like I'm getting one buy out of this. This is good. But it's not hurting anything to suggest more like that. And I think it just takes a little bit of practice and developing habits like that. Yes. So what would you say if, um, say you're kind of starting out as an artist and you have, you know, some higher and like you have buyers that you know will pay more 
but then you also have buyers in the past that have paid less. Like, do you just start selling to the ones that will pay more and lose the ones that pay less? If you're selling your work and it starts selling well, you need to raise your prices and you should raise them every year. Our grocery prices go up every year. Everything goes up every year. Um, And if you want to sell to the higher end market, I sure hope you're using really good quality materials. You're the, the canvas that you use, if you're painting on canvas, really important to not use cheap materials. And a lot of artists do that starting out because they have to, because they're learning, because they're feeling it out. But when you get to a point where your work is getting better and your clientele is getting better, your materials need to be really good quality. So you have to raise your prices. Um, You don't want to alienate people who have bought from you in the past. So here's what I would do. I would say to existing collectors, people who bought in the past, you're not going to give them cheaper prices. But if they're a collector, a lot of artists will give collectors 10% off. Just like an automatic, and galleries do this too. It's it's kind of like a standard practice. Um, also, if your past collectors can't afford your new prices, which actually we're we we are experiencing that right now with Drew's work, um, have lower priced items for them, such as print reproductions or other other type of products that are in the lower range. Mm, whatever so if you're if you're a painter or an illustrator or you know if you have art that's actually can be reproduced on a canvas or paper prints then you can make something lower priced available to those people so so you're not um alienating them or losing them okay yeah that makes sense yeah because i think just the i just feel like the way that the world works now where you're not just in one gallery in one city and applying to like the people there, you're kind of just hitting these people all over the world. And, but I guess that the whole point in that is also you setting your prices and realizing that your stuff is worth that much as long as it really is. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I mean, most artists underprice their work, but I do sometimes see some artists overpriced. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and that's not good either. So you you have to, uh, you got to figure that out. But, um, oh, and one other thing on that, that idea of having higher priced items and then lower priced items. Mm-hmm. One thing that we've done, and you could, and anybody listening, you're welcome to steal this idea. It's working really well for us. Um, so most of Drew's paintings range in the 3000 and up range mm-hmm. his original paintings um they go anywhere like the mostly what we sell is between 3000 and 10000 okay. uh, sometimes more um but 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 um and we very rarely have an original that's under $1000 i mean almost never but sometimes he'll play around with these little five by seven or nine by 12 mat boards and he'll do what he calls a little paint study. Mm. And we just, we just did this. He just yesterday, I found two of these paint studies in the studio that he painted when he was giving a, 
um, art class. Mm. He was teaching a class. And so while the artists were painting, he painted these two little paint studies as a demo. And I found these in the back room just yesterday. And I said, you know what? I want to sell these. I want to make a, I want to make a little bit of money today. Let, can I yeah. sell these? And he said, yeah. So I added them to his online store. Um, I put uh, the, the five by seven for $125 plus shipping and the nine by 12 for 195 plus shipping. And we posted it on his Instagram and said, click the link in the bio if you want to buy, if you want to buy it. Mm-hmm. Well, they sold really fast because people who follow him know that it's really rare to be able to get an original for under a thousand bucks. Right. Um, and the people who bought them probably wouldn't buy a $3,000 painting, right? Because maybe they can't afford it, but they jumped on it on the paint study. And uh, so that's that's a way that you can distinguish between your higher end work and your lower end work is just sell paint studies or even sketches. People love those graphite sketches and um, you can sell those, too. Yeah, that's that's so smart. I love this. You just always I feel like you have an idea for everything. And this is so good. (laughs) (laughs) And I, and I always give my ideas away. See, so, I mean, you can say anything bad about me that you want, um, but I share. It's so true. That's, that's what I love so much about you. And that's why I've been following you for so long is when, well, first off, I don't feel like there's many people in this space of like teaching artists how to do things. And maybe there is, and I just haven't found them, but um, I ran across you and I was like, wow, this girl looks fun and she knows what she's talking about. And then I started getting your newsletter and I was like, she's sharing so much knowledge. And it wasn't like one little tidbit and then come buy this. It was like you would share so much and then maybe you'd have something to offer. And then your book came out and of course I wanted to get it because hello, like you've given so much free information up to this point that it was a no brainer. So I think I just love the way you do business. Thanks. Yeah. Okay, so we've talked for a while. I feel like we could go on and on and on. Um, but I'll kind of wrap it up with where, where's the art world headed? Like, can you foresee anything new that we should be starting to do right now to stay up in the game um, and not kind of fall behind? Yeah, I, I've never been asked that question. And I'm, this is what I want to say. And, and I hope people really hear this. You have to do what you are driven to do. And don't worry about what everybody else is doing. You can look at other people for inspiration and look at other people for, um, as a model, you know, a role model, so to speak. Artists that are doing things that you admire, use them as your role model. But please... Follow your own instincts, what you feel in your own heart. Even if people are around you are telling you it's a not a great idea, if it's burning in you, you have to do it. And I promise you, eventually the world will come around and they will see it and they will love it and they will appreciate it. And and follow your own rules. Please don't follow the rules of the fine art world or the illustrative world or the commercial world or what, any world that you are following. 
do your own thing because there really, really are no rules that apply to an artist. That's so good. It's like, <laughs> I, that's like a perfect to hear. I think all artists really want to hear that deep down. Like once you, there's just all these rules that seem to come by and you're like, oh, should I do that or do this or do that? And all of a sudden you're not even creating art because you're trying to follow the rules. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, just look at, you know, like Ashley Longshore. She is somebody who says, F the world. I'm doing what the hell I want. And you don't have to like her art at all. It doesn't matter. It's not about her art. It's about a, a person who had a dream and everybody tried to squash it. And she said, oh, no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm, I'm married to an artist who went through a similar thing in a totally different world. And, um, I, yeah, wow. that's my message. That's awesome. I love it so much. Um, thank you so much, Maria, for jumping on here with me and sharing so much knowledge. Um, I feel like we'll have to do this again someday because we just touched on everything that's in